Whistleblowers testify about the corruption of the Biden family and the Biden DOJ's attempted cover-up. We analyze the possibility of a Trump January 6th indictment. And Xi Jinping humiliates John Kerry over climate change. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So most of the legacy media did not touch the big story of the day yesterday. They pretended there was really no big news yesterday. They covered other things like sex in space, or they covered what is going on with the possible looming Trump indictment, which we'll discuss in a little bit. Leaked information about what is actually in the indictment suggests that they really do not have much against President Trump. Shock of shocks. But the big news of the day was this whistleblower testimony that happened on the Hill. Now, just let's play the game. Imagine that the roles were reversed. Imagine that Democrats had brought forward an IRS whistleblower who had suggested open corruption inside the Trump family and then had suggested that Trump militarize the DOJ to protect his kids. Do you think that might lead the news? Do you think that might actually serve as the predicate for impeachment? I'm going to go with yes on that. But if it's Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, then not only are we supposed to pretend that nothing bad happened, we're supposed to chastise people for speaking about it. The whistleblowers themselves are now considered bad. Whistleblowing is bad if it's against Democrats. This is the way that all of this works. This is how you get through the entire Obama administration, which was a scandal-ridden administration. Everything from the IRS targeting political opposition to Benghazi. You get through that entire administration with the entire media proclaiming that the only scandal Barack Obama ever had is that he wore a tan suit at a press conference once. Hey, this is the game. Well, here's the thing. What the whistleblower said yesterday is pretty damning. They said a bunch of things. There were two separate whistleblowers. One is a guy named Joseph Ziegler. He is one of the whistleblowers from the IRS. The other one we've met already, that was Gary Shapley, also an IRS whistleblower. And they testified to a few things. One, they testified that it's pretty obvious that Hunter and Joe Biden spoke about business. Two, they testified about the amount of money that was passing within the Biden family, the Biden so-called crime family, from a wide variety of sources ranging from Romania to China to Ukraine. Burisma alone is responsible for paying the Biden family business $7.3 million over the course of several years, including when Joe Biden was vice president, according to that IRS agent, Joseph Ziegler. The IRS whistleblowers also suggested that the prosecutors who are supposed to be going after Hunter Biden were basically stopped from doing so by Joe Biden's DOJ. So was there a bribery crime? Perhaps. Was there a cover up? It appears to be that the DOJ used its leverage and its power in order to prevent harsher sentencing from being brought against Hunter Biden and also from certain questions being asked in the first place. So let's go through some of the testimony. So first of all, let us introduce IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler. So in an attempt to get ahead of the smearing that inevitably was going to come his way, Joseph Ziegler pointed out that he's a gay Democrat. Now, identity politics doesn't work in this way for Democrats. The way that it works for Democrats is that if he's a gay Democrat, no, you're not. (laughs) That is the typical response, that he's a bad person nonetheless, which means probably he's a straight Republican. But here is uh, Joseph Ziegler talking about his personal life as sort of a shield against the fact that Democrats presumably would claim that whoever makes a report against the Biden family must inherently be some sort of conservative Republican. Here's Ziegler. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to the experience and feelings I encountered when coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what is right and I'm standing or I'm sitting here in front of you today. 
Okay, Ziegler does not seem like an uncredible source, right? All you have to do is, is gauge the credibility of the sources by looking at their testimony or by the contemporaneous documentation brought forward, as Shapley is going to explain in just a minute, the other whistleblower. He's the only one who has any sort of corroborated reports. Everything that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney who is going after Hunter Biden in very soft, cushy fashion, was saying it has not been corroborated by anybody. Everything Shapley has said was being corroborated by other sources. In any case, Ziegler also pointed out that he's risking his career and his reputation by coming forward on this sort of stuff. Members of the committee, today I, I, I sit here before you not as a hero or, or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. That said, in coming forward, I believe I'm risking my career, my reputation, and my casework outside of the investigation we are here to discuss. I ultimately made the decision to come forward after what I believe were multiple attempts at blowing the whistle in the Internal Revenue Service, at the Internal Revenue Service. No one should be above the law, regardless of your political affiliation. Okay, so Ziegler then testified that he was stopped during this entire investigation from interviewing Joe Biden's adult children, that there was an attempt made by his superiors to prevent there from being any serious questioning of Hunter Biden about all of his corrupt foreign affairs. Why did you want to interview Hunter Biden's adult children? So a lot of the um, business deductions expenses related to the adult children. Did you get the approvals? So we never received the approvals to, to talk to, to, to those people. What did the assistant U.S. attorney tell you? That that's going to get us into hot water. Is that in the IRS handbook, avoiding hot water? No, but I mean, I was asking to do these certain things and roadblock after roadblock was put up in front of me. In his opening statement, Ziegler testified, quote, I have reason to believe there was gross mismanagement present throughout this investigation, that there was a gross waste of funds relating to the tax dollars spent on investigating this case, and that there was an abuse of authority with DOJ tax and Delaware United States attorney's offices. So Democratic members tried to rebut all of this by pointing out that David Weiss was originally a Trump appointed U.S. attorney who had been appointed by A.G. Bill Barr. And uh, the idea here is that these people were somehow overseeing all of this. Um, but here is the problem with that particular theory. That assumes that there's not institutional capture, meaning David Weiss, at what point was he actually preventing these investigations from going forward? If it was in 2021 or 2022, obviously that is under Joe Biden. There's also the broader concern that has now taken root in all of the DOJ, which is this bizarre space that's been created largely by James Comey, which is we can't be involved in quote unquote election interference. And what that typically means is that they are going to overlook criminality unless your name is Donald Trump. If you're Donald Trump, then the DOJ will go after you with the hammer and the tongs. And if you are anybody else, meaning a Democrat, then even Republicans inside the DOJ are not going to go after you. Well, there's got to be one standard for everybody. Either it's election interference or it's not election interference. If it's election interference to deeply investigate the Biden family in the run-up to the 2020 election, even if it was Republicans doing it, that's if that's the rule, can't get involved in election interference. James Comey's not going to get involved in election interference because if he indicts Hillary Clinton in 2016, then somehow it prevents the election from going forward fairly. And what exactly would you call it when prosecutions are brought over and over and over against Donald Trump when he is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination? What would you call it? It's either election interference or it's not election interference. If the idea is we can't investigate too deeply, and this is a sort of bipartisan consensus inside DOJ, can't investigate too deeply, can't ask serious questions because obviously it might interfere with the American people's choice. Well, then... How do you get to do it with Trump? Like everyone can see the double standard and you wonder why institutional credibility with the DOJ is absolutely in the toilet. This would be the reason. In one second, we'll get to the other IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley. First, 
We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, the BRICS nations, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency backed by gold or other commodities. Part of their long-term plan is to plant the United States and the dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. Well, here's the thing. As America continues to spend at unprecedented rates, as our national debt is now past $30 trillion, at a certain point, we're going to have to have either higher taxes or we're going to have to inflate the currency. Either way, you're going to want to diversify into precious metals. You can protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty. That would be like right now. Birch Gold, they're the people I buy my gold from, so do thousands of other concerned savers. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Well, I don't know. Neither do you. It's a good reason to diversify. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Again, text Ben to 9898. 98 today to get started with my friends over at Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last. So the rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using PureTalk myself for several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so the other IRS whistleblower is, of course, Gary Shapley. And he uh, points out, you know, you guys keep suggesting that I'm some sort of partisan actor. That is not true. No matter your party, I am not your opposition. I am here with information for you to examine, investigate, and determine whether more action is warranted on your part. I am on your team whether we agree on every politically sensitive issue or not. There is no benefit for me blowing the whistle on this case, absolutely none. I have no book deal, and the only money that goes into my bank account every two weeks is from my employment for the federal government. Okay, Shapley also pointed out that every single decision that was made during the course of this investigation benefited the Bidens. What are the, what are the decisions that treated the Bidens adversarially? The answer is he can't name any. Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup, where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a deciding factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed that probable cause existed. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over. A fact my FBI counterpart confirmed to this committee in a recent testimony, where the result was that only one witness spoke to investigators that day. These are just some of the examples of how our investigation was stymied. Again, not wrong. And he is the only one who has corroborated documents, a point that he makes here. He says, listen, David Weiss told us, like straight up, he just told us, that he had been denied special counsel status by Merrick Garland's DOJ, which would have allowed him to charge in a wide variety of jurisdictions. 
And I'm the only one who has that story corroborated, says Shapley. Meanwhile, you have David Weiss saying things that are rebutted by other, other testimony from other witnesses. Mr. Weiss was consistent with the investigators up until this October 7th meeting, and then he changed. What do you think happened, Mr. Shapley? I mean, I don't know, I don't know what uh, happened internal at Department of Justice, but uh, what I can say is that, um, is that the story has been changing uh, from Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney Weiss, and uh, I think it, the only person that's really had any documents that have been corroborated are my own. Shapley said that uh, Merrick Garland and company were using their offices and your tax dollars to put out carefully crafted, narrow non-denials that have confused rather than clarified for the public, all without being subject to cross-examination on the facts. Now, here's the thing. Is there a partisan aspect to this? Of course. Merrick Garland is a Democrat. Merrick Garland is going to be protective of Joe Biden. But many of the accusations that are being made by these IRS whistleblowers suggest that the DOJ under the Trump administration was actually acting in this way. Now, again, that may go to this sort of broader, quote unquote, good faith attempt by the DOJ not to interfere in elections because a lot of these decisions were being made in 2020. But if that only applies to one side, it is not fair, as everyone knows. The original sin here, as I've said a thousand times, the original sin is that James Comey should have charged Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton clearly violated the law when it came to her handling of classified documents. If she had been charged in 2016, that would have set the predicate for the idea that charges would be appropriate for anyone who violates the law going forward. Because here's the thing that's so stupid about this logic that you can't interfere in the election. If you don't prosecute, you are interfering in the election. (laughs) If you omit a sin of omission when it comes to prosecutorial discretion is very often just as grave as a sin of commission. James Comey's failure to prosecute Hillary Clinton is just as damaging against the Republicans, for example, as the Democratic attempt to now prosecute Donald Trump in advance of an election. And that is particularly true when you're talking about a double standard where it appears that election worries just don't exist, I suppose, with regard to Republican candidates for the presidency of the United States. Now, the media have decided the big scandal here is not anything the IRS whistleblowers are saying. The systemic corruption, the attempts to cover up for Hunter and Joe Biden. They're not even willing to to point out some fairly obvious points that were admitted in in some of the cross-examination. Dan Goldman, Democratic representative and one of the lawyers in the impeachment hearing, Dan Goldman accidentally confirmed in the middle of this hearing that Joe Biden did discuss Hunter's foreign business dealings with Hunter. Here was Dan Goldman doing that. It was a big oopsie moment. And you testified that he said to, to, that Hunter told his dad, according to Rob Walker, quote, I may be trying to start a company or try to do something with these guys. Now, let me ask you something. That doesn't sound much like Joe Biden was involved in whatever Hunter Biden was doing with the CEFC if Hunter Biden is telling him that he's trying to do business with them, does it? No, but it does show that he said he told his father he was trying to do business and he was okay. talking Well, to that is true. Hunter Biden does try to do business. That's correct. Yes. So, you don't not only have no direct evidence connecting Joe Biden to any of Hunter Biden's business deal, you actually had proof that he wasn't involved. That is the proof that you had. Well, actually, no. What 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 you just admitted, Dan Goldman, is that Biden and Joe Biden and Hunter talked about his business dealings and maybe the sort of wink, wink, nod, nod arrangement was that you go and you do your stuff and money just magically appears in my account. And every so often I take a meeting and that's sort of the way that we play this game. By the way, this would not be a giant surprise. Apparently, the way, particularly with the Chinese, that that you do business, and this is true in a lot of foreign countries, because so many countries are deeply corrupt and deeply political, including China. Many Chinese business people who are working hand in glove with the government, they believe that politics works the same way in the United States. 
That if you get a meeting with the vice president of the United States, for example, that this like magically green lights your business project and means billions of dollars flow into your coffers. And this is true for a lot of foreign countries. And it's exactly this impression that the Biden family has traded on for Joe Biden's entire political career is that if you meet with a senator, then this means that somehow something good is going to happen for the business. So Americans can look at that and even be like, okay, so you met with a senator, who cares? But if you're from a country where meeting with a senator very often involves that senator now being your friend and that friend now cramming through a bunch of stuff you like, you can see why the Chinese were deeply invested in Hunter Biden hooking up with Joe Biden. And that doesn't require Joe Biden to be like deeply invested in every aspect of Hunter's business. I don't think there's an accusation that Joe Biden is sitting there and like going over the books with Hunter. All he cares about is does that money appear in his bank account? And Joe Biden is a lot richer than normal vice presidents who have been on a senator's salary for most of their career typically are. And well, the media have decided, of course, that this is not the story. The real story is, of course, of course, of course, how evil Donald Trump and the Republicans are during a whistleblower hearing about the Bidens. Clearly, we'll get to that momentarily first. Our friends over at GenuCell sold out of their dark spot corrector. Our listeners have been begging for a restock. Well, I have some good news for you. Just in time for summer, it is back in stock. GenuCell's famous dark spot corrector has not one, but three cutting edge ingredients. And it goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old discoloration, both on your face and on your hands. You can now enjoy your summer sun beach and barbecues without those embarrassing spots. GenuCell's most popular package also features their summer essentials, like the best-selling ultra retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative for safe use in the sun. You'll be amazed how quickly you see results or 100% of your money back guaranteed. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro right now. Get your dark spot corrector in the GenuCell most popular package. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro right now. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. That is GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many, or installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at The Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, so... Democrats, of course, in the media, but I repeat myself, they've decided the big story here is that Marjorie Taylor Greene showed photos of uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. So here is what it looked like when uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to ask some questions about Hunter Biden's laptop and decided that it would be a good idea. I think, frankly, this is hilarious to show all of the pictures of uh, Hunter Biden unclothed on his on his laptop and uh, doing the drugs. So when when Hunter Biden paid for this woman to do this with him, to travel across state lines from California to Washington, D.C. on June 15th. This is a violation of the Mann Act. This was prostitution. Mr. Shapley, you, you started an investigation under Hunter Biden, codenamed Sportsman, which opened in November of 2018. 
Um, it, it was an offshoot of an investigation the IRS was conducting into a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform. Um, this, this is evidence uh, of, of Hunter Biden making sex Excuse me, this is my time. Making pornography. Should we be displaying this, Mr. Chairman, in the committee? The lady's time has expired. Okay, so um, the media's take on this was Marjorie Taylor Greene, this is, this is Daily Beast, inflicts Hunter Biden nudes on Congress, inflicts. Oh, you are so wounded, aren't you? Oh, I mean, oh my God, you can't, oh, be still your Puritan beating hearts. Oh, yes, I believe you. I believe you, all you Democrats who believe that we need to read gender queer to our seven-year-olds. I totally believe you. I think that you are deeply concerned about graphic nudity in Congress in front of a bunch of adults. By the way, it's blacked out. I um I, I I think that I totally believe you. I think that you guys are just the sensibilities of Congress have been offended. Say all of the exact same people who say that you should cut the balls off little boys. Just that really. Yes, I believe you. I believe you. I, I love the I love the the faux outrage from these people. Jared Moskowitz, Democrat of Florida, said in an effort to own Hunter Biden, they're assembling nude photos of him, having some intern have to sit in a room and blow up these photos and put it on poster boards and figure out, oh, which ones are beyond the pale. And then AOC acted really offended. She called the image the images pornographic and accused Republicans of reaching a new low. They should make a kid's book out of it and put it in school libraries. And then Democrats would all be out front protesting in favor of it. Animate Hunter Biden's porn from his laptop and stick it in a school library for sixth graders. And Democrats would be like, how dare you try to take that out of the library, you censorious bastards, you. Oh, you're, you're so tiresome. You're so tiresome. Okay, if you don't like Hunter Biden's nudes on his laptop, then I have a few recommendations. One. Hunter Biden is a scuzz bag. You should stop defending Hunter Biden. Two, Hunter Biden shouldn't have left his laptop being a drug-addicted derelict who's in his 50s at a, at a stupid computer repair shop. Three, you guys shouldn't have all claimed that it was Russian disinformation. And four, maybe you should let him be prosecuted when he commits crimes like transporting prostitutes across state lines, apparently, and then allegedly taking tax write-offs for them. Maybe it's a you problem, in other words. This is, I'm so tired of this crap. The Democrats do this with regard to so many issues. It's like if you show a picture of what an aborted fetus looks like, they're like, that's so offensive. That's what, Yes, that's our point. That's our point, not your point. You don't get to act offended. Your, your tender sensibilities have been bruised by all of it. Uh, shut up. Shut up. You're ridiculous. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. The Democrats also decided that it was very important during this hearing to ignore all of the whistleblower revelations and, of course, talk about Donald Trump. And, uh, and and slam, how are, we, how are we even doing? We'll get to that momentarily first. You may have seen the CEO of Innovation Refunds, Howard Mackler, on TV, explaining how they've helped so many small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. The ERC is the Employee Retention Credit. Every year, the U.S. government sets aside over a billion bucks for economic incentives, but it's reported only about 4% is claimed. If you own a business, you could have money just waiting to be claimed if you have more than four employees. Innovation Refunds independent tax attorneys are dedicated to helping business owners navigate the complex filing process for different companies. They can help companies figure out deductions based on industries. In fact, Innovation Refunds is teaming up with John Taffer, the host of Bar Rescue, to help restaurant and bar owners find out if they're eligible for the tax credit. Innovation Refunds has been helping eligible businesses claim their ERC tax refunds since 2021. They might be able to help your business as well. Go to GetRefunds.com to determine your eligibility. If you qualify, you could be on your way to receiving cash for your business. There's no upfront charge since they don't get paid unless you get paid. Go to GetRefunds.com or dial 1-843-REFUNDS. That is GetRefunds.com or dial 1-843-REFUNDS. GetRefunds.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so naturally, Democrats tried to pretend that uh, this was all ludicrous and terrible. 
So Representative Jamie Raskin, he's one of the people you hear shouting at Marjorie Taylor Greene, why is this happening? Oh, no. I, oh, oh. <laughs> he, uh, he slammed the House hearing as a theater of the absurd. A theater of the absurd. Again, I, I can't. Can I just point out that all of Congress is a damned joke at this point? You guys are a joke. There's a reason why you're in single-digit approval ratings. No one likes you, and we all think you're a theater of the absurd. So I don't want to hear about how you are very serious people, top men handling Congress, from Jamie Raskin. Give me a break. I thought we might be here today on the matter that the chairman declared his top priority, the crusade to find evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. But now the majority's long-promised star witness turns out to be a fugitive from American justice, an arms trafficker indicted on eight federal criminal felony counts and an unregistered foreign agent for China who tried to trade Chinese arms for Iranian oil. So I guess he's not going to be a witness for the majority anytime soon. Well, after the failed SARS reports, bank records, Form 1023, we can conclude that this Inspector Clouseau-style quest for something that doesn't exist has turned our committee into a theater of the absurd, an exercise in futility and embarrassment. Uh, yes, uh, our, our honor has been has been offended. Meanwhile, Representative Kwasi Mfume, uh, he um, is a, a Democrat from Maryland. He says that um, we need the DOJ and the FBI and the IRS because they're keeping this democracy in check, which is uh, a, an admission against interest, I think. Here's what galls me. I don't like these attacks on the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, as if they are somehow anti-U.S. agencies. Those agencies keep this democracy in check. It keeps them in float. They provide the checks and they provide the balances. Wait, the IRS and the DOJ and the FBI provide the checks and balances against the American people? I don't think that means what you think it means. That is actively not their job. It is not the job of the DOJ, the FBI, or the IRS to keep democracy in check. They have statutory authority to do certain tasks. If they move beyond those tasks, then they actually are going into directions they should not be going into. I love that the Democrats who want to overrule the Supreme Court are suddenly about checks and balances when it comes to executive branch agencies, which are not a check or a balance. It's absolutely incredible. So apparently the DOJ is just a check and a balance when it lets Hunter Biden skate without any serious questions, but goes after Donald Trump. That's a check and that's a balance. I noticed how much you love the checks and balances when you guys are, are actually in control of the levers of power. Representative Chantel Brown of Ohio, uh, she, uh, she just dismissed all of this. Nothing about the Bidens has any merit. They're the nicest, most gracious, most wonderful people. We can't even follow which investigation we're discussing today. Is it the FBI, the IRS, XXX, or something new? I know the American people are confused because we're all confused what we're doing here. Nothing this majority has claimed about the president or his family has merit. No wonder the folks back home are tuning out of this confused mess. Oh, yeah, that, that's that, that nothing has merit. Really nothing, which is why Hunter Biden pled guilty to a bevy of crimes. Would, would that be the reason? While Joe Biden was claiming he was innocent as the driven snow. Ro Khanna from California, he, he says, you know what the problem is with, with you guys, you IRS agents, you checks on democracy. You know, you know what's wrong with you guys? You're sticklers for the law. Isn't that literally their job? Here's Rokana. And I'm not questioning. I mean, I, you want a stickler for the law? You know, it reminds me of uh, Les Mis and you know, the, the, the famous person wanted to get the, the person who had a sandwich. Uh. That is the worst description of the plot of Les Mis I've ever heard. 
You know, it's like it's like Les Mis, like the famous person who wanted to get the sandwich. Okay, so first of all, let me point out that in Les Mis, Jean Valjean steals a loaf of bread to feed hungry children. In the Hunter Biden story, Hunter Biden takes a bunch of foreign money so that he can bang hookers and do crack. And then takes a tax write-off. I'm sensing not Jean Valjean in that story. You have to go a long way from Jean Valjean to get all the way over here to Hunter Biden. Again, steals a loaf of bread to feed hungry children. Ro Khan is like, it just reminds me of that. It's like that. Except over here, he's snorting crack off a hooker's ass and taking a tax write-off. Exactly the same. And you, my friend, you, my friend, are, are just the villain in that story. That, that's you. You're Javert, the guy who steals the sandwich. Oh, my God. These people. But here's the thing. They're all for sticklers of the law when it comes to Donald Trump. When it comes to Trump, then uh, the law, must, no one is above the law. And that's why Donald Trump must be prosecuted on every offense forever. Now, I noticed again that you guys are perfectly happy to dismiss charges against the Bidens or Hillary Clinton or anybody else because it might be election interference. But the minute that Donald Trump is the guy, then it's not election interference anymore. It's just the law kicks into place. Now, again, there are two arguments there. One is the election interference argument. And one is you guys are really... Javert, but you're not even Javert. You're, you're just misinterpreting the law in order to get Trump. And Javert, you can at least make the case, was actually correctly interpreting the law. He was just not applying mercy. I mean, I think that's, in, that's Victor Hugo's entire point. In this particular story, the claim that, that you are making is that it's okay to misinterpret the law to get Trump, which is what's actively happening, for example, in the Alvin Bragg case, the Manhattan DA case, prosecuting Trump for campaign finance violations that clearly are not covered by the law. And it appears more and more clear that that may be the case with regard to the uh, the charges that are now being brought against Donald Trump or will be brought by Jack Smith against Donald Trump with regard to uh, the, the January 6th events. So according to the New York Times, federal prosecutors have introduced a new twist into the January 6th investigation by suggesting in a target letter they could charge former President Trump with violating a civil rights statute that dates back to the post-Civil War Reconstruction era, according to three people familiar with the matter. So they know they don't really have Trump on anything is what it sounds like. And so what they are actively attempting to do now is stretch the defini de definition of charges to get Trump. I said yesterday I was going to withhold opinion until I saw more about the indictment. Well, now there's more about the indictment being leaked to The New York Times so I can make a judgment as to the merits of the indictment as that sort of stuff rolls out. Again, two things can also be true at once as they are in the classified documents case that Donald Trump may have fulfilled the elements of a crime, but it's also a political prosecution. Both those things can be true. When it comes to this particular charge, they're talking about on January 6th, if this ends up being in the indictment, this is a stretch beyond a stretch. According to the New York Times, the letter to Trump from the special counsel referred to three criminal statutes as part of the grand jury investigation into Trump's efforts to reverse his 2020 election loss, according to two people with knowledge of the contents. Two of the statutes were familiar from the criminal referral by the House January 6th committee and months of discussion by legal experts. That'd be conspiracy to defraud the government and obstruction of an official proceeding. We'll get to those in just one second because those both appear to be weak as well. The third criminal law cited in the letter was a surprise. That'd be section 241 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, which makes it a crime for people to, quote, conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States. Originally, this was directed in order to shut down the Ku Klux Klan in the aftermath of the Civil War. It was, I, the idea was we we're going to have federal agents go prevent the Ku Klux Klan from engaging in terrorism to stop black people from voting, for example. In the modern era, it's been used really with like voting fraud conspiracies, like actually stuffing ballot boxes, for example. So a 1950 opinion by the Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit wrote that applying Section 241 in a ballot box stuffing case could be correct because 
we all have a right to vote. And if that right to vote is somehow overturned by somebody who's engaging in fraud, then it may violate the statute. Same thing in a 1974 Supreme Court opinion, which allowed Section 241 to be applied to West Virginians who cast fake votes on a voting machine. But it's going to be very difficult to stretch that to cover Trump. Presumably, they would have to suggest that Trump was attempting to overthrow an honest count of votes or something. Norm Eisen, who's a Democrat and worked for the House Judiciary Committee on behalf of the Democrats during Trump's first impeachment, he says, it seems like under 241, there's at least a right to an honest counting of the votes. Submitting an alternate electoral certificate to Congress is a novel scenario. It seems like it would violate this right. I, I don't see how. I really don't see how. Because Congress can just reject that. That's not the same thing as stuffing ballot boxes. That's saying, I don't like your interpretation of this law. Here's my alternative interpretation of the law. Maybe you'll go for it, which is actually what happened, right? John Eastman provided Trump with this gussied up, ridiculous version of how the law works, which it doesn't, as John Eastman kind of acknowledged. And, uh, and Trump then just presented that. That seems like that falls pretty clearly under free speech, not under violation of Section 241. The other two crimes, theoretically, that Trump could be charged with are Section 371 of Title 18. That makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States. The other, Section 1512, includes a provision that makes it a crime to corruptly obstruct an official proceeding. Now, Andy McCarthy has an excellent rundown on on those potential charges in National Review. And here's what he says. He says, quote, I do not believe the charge of conspiracy to defraud the United States can survive this admonition unless the government can prove a defendant was trying to bilk the government out of money or tangible assets. Is there any evidence that that Trump was trying to bilk the country out of money or tangible assets? I I don't see how. So that particular section shouldn't apply. As far as corruptly obstructing Congress, he says, I don't think a charge of corruptly obstructing Congress can survive if the alleged corruption does not involve patently lawless behavior, such as evidence tampering or threats to use force against witnesses or Congress itself. Since Trump has not been implicated criminally in the violence of the Capitol riot, Jack Smith will almost certainly have to argue that the corruption lay in one, Trump's awareness he lost the election, and B, John Eastman's nonsensical legal theory that Vice President Pence had the authority to discount electoral votes. He said, I'd be surprised if prosecutors can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump knew he'd lost the election. Again, this is my point yesterday, is that proving intent in a Trump case, very, very difficult because Trump's intent changes moment to moment, and he's absolutely chimerical. So how exactly do you prove that Donald Trump, like today, do you think Donald Trump today thinks he lost the election? I don't. I think Donald Trump today thinks he won the election. Donald Trump has a unique capacity to convince himself of things, both for good and for bad. However, says Andy McCarthy, keep your eye on an episode that appears to have gotten a lot of Smith's attention. It is said that the Trump campaign raised tens of millions of dollars on the representation that the money would go to a legal fund that would fight the election fraud by which Trump claimed the election was being stolen. But according to the January 6th committee, there was no such fund. At least some of the money was diverted to other purposes. The New York Times says $200,000 was spent at Trump hotel properties. So that would look more like traditional fraud. Okay, so we'll see what the charges come down. But if the three charges that people are discussing are the ones that are brought, those are super weak. And listen, even if they weren't super weak, pretty clearly politically motivated. But if they're weak and politically motivated, it looks like Alvin Bragg. The case for political prosecution becomes even stronger, obviously. Well, the, the Biden administration was asked yesterday about whether they were weaponizing government. And uh, here is Karine Jean-Pierre's response. Lastly, former President Trump received a letter from the special counsel that he's being investigated for his role in efforts to overturn the 2020 election. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the Biden administration has decided to, quote, weaponize government to go after their number one opponent, end quote. I'll say Here's what we have done. The president respects the Department of Justice, their independence. Uh, He has been very... um, very steadfast on making sure that the rule of law comes back 
in this administration comes back uh, in the White House and clearly the administration more broadly. And that's what you have seen. I'm just not going to comment on this. Amazing, amazing stuff there from the White House. Now, why is all of this happening? I think we know the reason why all of this is happening. It's twofold. One, Democrats have decided that Donald Trump is a threat to everything. And two, they know that Joe Biden is super vulnerable. We'll get to that momentarily first. Are you tired of feeling uncomfortable in your underwear and loungewear, especially when it's this hot and humid and sticky outside? Well, thanks to my friends at Tommy John, you can have the perfect blend of comfort and breathability. When you wear Tommy John, you're so much more comfortable, you can do everything better. Their underwear has dozens of comfort innovations. We're talking breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. They can keep you seven degrees cooler than cotton. Tommy John's also sells loungewear with a level of softness I've never felt before. Their incredibly soft loungewear is designed to envelop you in a world of pure luxury. Their stuff is great. I mean, truly terrific. I took all of my other underwear. I threw it out. I only wear Tommy John's. Their loungewear is similarly awesome. Every purchase is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Shop Tommy John's Summer Collection. Get 20% off your first purchase at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Again, they're really durable. They're breathable and lightweight. Underwear that moves with you. They have great product for men and for women. My wife loves Tommy John product. Go check them out right now. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. When you use that slash Ben, you get 20% off their product today. Also, despite the Joe Biden lackluster economy, the Daily Wire continues to thrive and to grow. We are also hiring. We're currently looking for a graphic designer to join our fast-growing creative department. As a graphic designer, you will collaborate with copywriters, creative directors, and other designers under the guidance of the executive creative director to craft show assets and thumbnails for a variety of media. To excel in this role, you'll need proficiency in Adobe Creative Cloud, experience creating engaging web graphics, keen attention to detail, and excellent communication and collaboration skills. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're interested in joining our team, visit dailywire.com slash careers. That's dailywire.com slash careers today. Okay, meanwhile, so if the material in the Trump indictment looks this week, why exactly are they doing it? Well, I think that we all know the answer. Democrats have to do whatever they can to stop Donald Trump. They have to do whatever they can to prop up Joe Biden. Now, there's also a dynamic where Democrats are perfectly happy to elevate Donald Trump in the primaries. They think that he's the most people candidate. If you ask Democrats about this, they're basically pretty obvious about it. But they have built up in their minds this idea, this, this, this mutually exclusive idea that one, it's good if Donald Trump gets nominated because Joe Biden can beat him. And two, Donald Trump is the greatest threat to the republic ever. So how do you achieve both those things at the same time? That Donald Trump is a huge threat to the republic and that also he needs to be the nominee so that Joe Biden can beat him. Well, the answer is you indict him. You indict him because by indicting him, you make sure that he can't be president. And also, you elevate him in the primaries. So you, you've done all the things. And then you wonder why people are very suspicious of how these investigations are run, how these prosecutions are run. Here's the thing. When Democrats keep saying over and over and over that everything is justified in pursuit of Donald Trump, it makes us think that you will justify anything in pursuit of Donald Trump. Eddie Gloud from MSNBC, he says, self-governance itself is on the table if Donald Trump wins the presidency. Now, first of all, I got to say, I hate this language on all sides. I really hate it. I thought Barack Obama was a terrible president. I hated his presidency. I think Joe Biden is an awful president. I hate his presidency. I can't wait for him to not be president of the United States anymore. Do I think that self-governance itself is on the table in the United States right now, like with every single election? I think you want to break up the country. It's a great way to do it. But that's exact. Democrats are perfectly happy to do that. Here is uh, here's Eddie Loud. We're in this inflection point. Will we be a nation defined by the rule of law? Will we hold all of these folk accountable or will our political passions overrun? Will those passions then deny the legitimacy of the court? Will those passions deny the legitimacy of the decisions? Will it undermine the very foundation of, of the polity? So we're in this moment 
where it seems as if the question of whether or not everyday ordinary people can engage in self-governance, right, is on the table. Will we respect the decisions of the court? MSNBC hates the court since the Roe versus Wade overturning. Will we, will we respect elections? I mean, you spent five years saying that Donald Trump was not the elected president of the United States. And it's, it's just, it's absurd. And you're doing all of this, by the way, in cover for an, a radical democratic agenda. Fascinating piece by uh, Thomas Edsel. He writes a really good data-driven piece over at the New York Times fairly often. I disagree with him on a lot, but he at least brings the data. And he points out in this piece, that while at the end of the 20th century, the Republican Party moved rightward, since then, Democrats have moved far, far, far to the left. And this has opened a gap in the Repub- in, in, for Republicans if the Republicans will take advantage of it and Democrats are freaking out about it. Bill McInturf, a founding partner of the Republican polling firm Public Opinion Strategies, released a study in June, says Edsel. It documents the shifting views of Democratic and Republican voters. Among the findings, from 2012 to 2022, the percentage of Democrats who described themselves as very liberal grew from 29% from 19%. In 2013, when asked their religion, only 10% of Democrats said none. In 2023, that number was 38%. The percentage of Democrats who agreed that government should do more to solve problems and help meet the needs of people grew from only 45% in 1995 to 67% in 2007 to 82% in 2021. 82% of Democrats believe government needs to do more to help solve problems and help the needs of, meet the needs of people. We're spending $7 trillion a year, and we need to do more, according to 82% of Democrats. The most stable finding over a decade, says McInturf, is that Republicans barely budge on a host of issues, while Democrats' positions on abortion, climate change, immigration, and affirmative action have all fundamentally shifted. This, by the way, is driving additional fundraising for the GOP House. People aren't watching the GOP fundraising. Politico is. They point out that Republicans are dominating the cash dash so far in the cutthroat battle for the House in 2024. GOP leaders are continuing to reap the rewards of a successful years-long strategy to erase the massive small-dollar fundraising advantage Democrats enjoyed since Trump took office in 2017. Some 65 Republican candidates raised half a million dollars or more in the second quarter compared to just 40 Democrats, according to a political analysis of campaign finance filings. In 2019, only 30 Republicans crossed that threshold compared to 50 Democrats. So Republicans are outraising Democrats on the House level. Joe Biden is innately vulnerable. I mean, when they have to trot out Nancy Pelosi to defend Joe Biden, you know you're in trouble. In probably the most hilarious clip of the day, Nancy Pelosi, because she is um, extremely old and also not with it, she testified that Joe Biden is actually a spring chicken. Man, this is this is like the the night at the end of, of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade talking about how how basically Methuselah is a spring chicken here. Here is here is uh, Nancy Pelosi. We have to be hopeful. Uh, that, that's just the way we're an optimistic country. We'll be hopeful that as we go forward, we can do this in a unifying way. And we couldn't be better served in that regard than by President Joe Biden. This is a person who respects other points of view, a person who has a vision about our country that is consistent with the vision of our founders, that respects the sacrifice of our men and women in uniform to keep our freedom intact and, again, uh, honors the aspirations of our children. Look at the lies. I mean, he's a traditionalist. He's a traditionalist. First of all, I don't know when Nancy Pelosi got two pairs of eyebrows, but in any case, it's a, it's, it's an amazing thing. So apparently Joe Biden, not only does he respect the vision of our founders, he's just a kid. He's a kid. He's a spring chicken, as I say. 
age is relative. What I I was in L.A. Uh, for some Democratic stuff recently, and I met with Norman Lear, who's 100, going on 101. He was telling me some new shows he was involved in. I was meeting with Frank Gehry, a, a, a 90-something architect, showing me new buildings. He's building throughout the world. Uh, and uh, they were like 80. He's a kid. But it's a kid. It's a kid. It is. It's relative. He's he's younger than I am, so I he's a kid to me as well. The president <laughs> is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Guys, eighty is the new twenty. Did you know that? It's not weird at all. Meanwhile, what is Nancy Pelosi actually pushing? As I say, the Democratic Party continues to move steadily to the left. They have to protect Biden. They have to protect the precious. The only way to do that is to continue to set a double standard via the Department of Justice. I mean, here's Nancy Pelosi suggesting that we have to have a military policy that funds transgender surgeries or it's a tragedy. The Democrats have lost their minds. This is why I say all it would take for the Republicans to win is probably a sane Republican, but here's Nancy Pelosi doing the thing. The bill that came out of the Armed Services Committee, a committee you served on, was very bipartisan. I think it had one no vote. It was just about 100% bipartisan until they came to the floor and started really messing with it. It's a tragedy. It's really sad. This is the Democratic Party. And so, of course, they have to protect the geriatric dotard in charge. Of course they have to. And that means they need to simultaneously elevate Trump and they need to stop Trump simultaneously. And that's what a lot of these indictments are very much about. And meanwhile, I have to say that the Biden administration doing a stellar job, as always, with regard to foreign policy. Um, It is amazing to watch as Xi Jinping just runs circles around people like John Kerry. So Xi, the dictator of China, he was asked specifically by John Kerry to do more on climate. And he's like, nope, not interested. According to the New York Times, Chinese leaders rebuffed attempts by John Kerry, Joe Biden's climate envoy, to persuade them to commit to tougher climate action during three days of talks in Beijing. Kerry emerged late Wednesday from the lengthy negotiations in Beijing with no new agreements. In fact, the Chinese president, Jinping, existed in a speech that China would pursue its goals to phase out carbon dioxide pollution at their own pace, in their own way. So uh, what exactly happened here? This is really funny. So John Kerry was then asked about this, the fact that Xi Jinping and the rest of the Chinese are responsible, by the way. They in India are responsible for the bulk of the world's carbon emissions at this point. Kerry was asked about the fact that Xi just rejected him to his face, like Dikembe Mutombo. And uh, and John Kerry's answer here was, uh, no, 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 that's not what he said. I mean, sure, he rejected me to my face, but that's never stopped me before. From any John Carroll. Well, I think we all agree that nobody should be, quote, dictated to. Uh, and we're not doing that. We've, that's why we had three days of intensive discussions. Uh, and I think if you ask Xia Genois, he'll tell you there was zero dictation. Uh, nor, I, I think if you asked uh, uh, Director Wang Yi and, and uh, Vice President Han, as well as uh, you know, any of the interlocutors we were talking to, uh, they would tell you that there was no dictation here. There was a clear exchange of ideas. If anything is dictating, it is the science. Oh, my God. He's such a joke. The science is dictating. He's not dictating. No, there's no dictating. No dictation here. Dictated to do. Uh, what a genius John Kerry is. I'm so glad we have him on the climate beat. By the way, Can I point out that there are a lot of headlines right now about how hot it is outside? I know. It's hot outside. You know what I can do about that? Zero things. 
thank God we have this thing called air conditioning. It's awesome. You know, it's a great cure for being super duper hot outside. Being a first world country, amazing. It works out tremendously well because it turns out that if you have a really solid energy grid and you have the capacity to turn on that AC, you're living quite comfortably these days. You know what sucks? Global poverty. You know what brings global poverty? Decarbonization. Let me also point out that uh, the media always do this routine when it's very, very hot outside. They never, ever cover it when it's cold. So it's funny. The media will say, well, you know, it's, it's not global warming. It's not climate change. And the reason they changed the term from global warming to climate change is because the, the climate in many cases is colder during the winters than it was before. So it's hotter during the summers and it's colder during the winters. They've called this climate weirding, but that doesn't really seem to go over all that way. So, not, so they call it climate change, which of course is an incredibly vague term because the climate is always changing. However, it is worth noting at this point that all of this folks, millions will die of the heat waves that are occurring on planet. Oh my God, the ocean is so hot during the summer in Florida. Okay, so first of all, it is hot this summer in Florida. Also, it's not like every summer in Florida. I've been to Florida. It's really, really hot and humid. Like I noticed when I first visited here several years ago and we moved anyway because air conditioning exists. I just want to point out at this point that um, many, many, many more people die of of cold than heat. Like they, I know that we're all very enamored of all of the pictures of it being hot outside and everything. And that the, the media have decided that when it's hot outside, this is just evidence that, that it's our fault or whatever. But um, lots more cold death than heat death. And so if indeed the world is getting warmer on average, maybe it means that the winters are a little milder and that might mean relief from death. So according to The Lancet, there's more cold death than heat death literally everywhere, literally everywhere on earth. Here is a chart. Across the period 2000 to 2019, Asia experienced over 2 million cold deaths compared to less than half a million heat deaths. Africa experienced over a million cold deaths compared to a very low number of heat deaths, which is shocking because Africa is located in Africa. Europe, you're talking about 600,000 cold deaths as opposed to less than 200,000 heat deaths over the course of two decades. North America, Latin America, same deal. Cold death, way, way, way more prevalent than heat death. You don't hear about that because it's sort of inconvenient. Not only that, if you look overall, each year heat kills about half a million people. Cold kills 4.5 million people. I know that these are all inconvenient facts, but they are reality. And you can see it country by country. We have a chart country by country, actually, showing the wild disproportion between cold death and heat death. I point this out just because, again, if you follow how the media cover science, this is what they do. Instead, you would imagine this chart was exactly reversed. There are 10 times more cold deaths than heat deaths in Europe. 10 times. So... I guess that means that we obviously need to focus like a like a laser beam on how hot it is outside. Okay, time for a couple of quick things I like and then a thing that I hate. So things that I like today. There is a, a good old book written in the 1920s written by Jose Ortega y Gasset. Um, it is a book called Revolt of the Masses. It's sort of a classic in in sort of conservative circles. The basic premise of the book is that when you have mass man, in other words, when, when the mass becomes the only thing that matters, as opposed to principles, you end up falling down the road to, to populism and fascism. Here's one of the things he says. Is the fascist and syndicalist species were characterized by the first appearance of a type of man who did not care to give reasons or even to be right, but who was simply resolved to impose his opinions. That was the novelty, the right not to be right, not to be reasonable, the reason of unreason. Right? The idea here being that if enough people say a thing, then it magically becomes true. It's something the founders very much opposed. 
This is why when you hear people talk about pure democracy, they are wrong. Pure democracy is a bad thing. The, the founders feared mob rule, quite properly so. Pure democracy was never supposed to be the way that governments work. This is why you need checks and balances. Unfortunately, we've moved more in the direction of a populist politics in which a pure majority gets to cram down its opinions on everybody else uh, in, in really brutal fashion without appeal to reason at the top of the federal government, for example. And that is a very, very bad thing. Okay, other things that I like today. So there is this uh, really charming story out of Britain. The Kingsguard. These are the folks with the funny hats who stand outside of Buckingham Palace. Uh, they're not supposed to move, right? They're statue-like. If you go and you visit Buckingham Palace, they just stand there. And uh, now there is a video of Mike Van Erp, who's 50. He's better known by his YouTube name, Cycling Mikey, and a youngster posing for a photo. It's caused a stir because um, it is, again, their job to basically stand there absolutely still. But footage shows how there is a member of the guard who moved closer to Mike and a boy trying to get a photo to remember their trip to the horse guards parade. Here's what the video looked like. So the reason he did that, you can't see the kid's face in here. The kid has Down syndrome. So because the kid has Down syndrome, he was standing too far away and he's a little scared. And so the guy moved just a little bit closer so that he could be in the photo and then he moved back to his place. Classy and, uh, and really, really nice. So uh, good for that. Good for that uh, uniformed soldier. That's, that's awesome. Alrighty, uh, time for a quick thing that I hate. So um, the Barbie movie, but uh, we'll get to a full review of that on YouTube in very, very short order. So you're going to want to stick around for that because, uh, wow, what a piece of dreck. But the thing that I hate today, now you're seeing all the old country stars feel the necessity to dissociate from Jason Aldean because Jason Aldean had the temerity to make a music video about a song in which he said that in a small town, they don't allow riots because people actually care about each other and like each other and don't want their city burned down. And this apparently is racist in some sort of a weird way. So Cheryl, Cheryl Crow slapped at Jason Aldean. She tweeted out, I'm from a small town. Even people in small towns are sick of violence. There's nothing small town or American about promoting violence. You should know that better than anyone having survived a mass shooting. This is not American or small town like. It's just lame. I mean, he's against violence. That's his whole point. He doesn't like looting. He doesn't like burning. And he thinks that in a small town, people in a small town don't stand for that sort of thing, which is true. Cheryl Crow feeling the necessity to go out of her way to swipe just so that she can be in the good graces of her uh, liberal cohorts is really quite ridiculous. Again, this is a manufactured controversy. Good for Aldine for not stepping down from his positions. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the vaunted Ben Shapiro show mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 